Good evening, everyone. All right, I'm just doing a smile check. Everyone's smiling. We always have to start there, smiles, amen. Inevitably, you know, as we study our Bibles, the Spirit of God convicts all of our hearts. Don't think that when I'm preaching that I'm not hearing as well. You know, sometimes I need the rebukes as they come out from my own mouth. And we're all growing and developing in Jesus as we go together. Tonight's subject is the blessing that nobody wants. The blessing that nobody wants. Before we begin, we're just going to ask God for his Holy Spirit. I know he's already here, but if we ask even more fervently, he'll give us more of his spirit. Is that all right? So let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you. We thank you for this beautiful day that we just had, the sun that was shining, the the perfect, it was perfect weather today, Father. And we thank you for expressing your love in this manner. We thank you for bringing us here safely. And Father, as we're about to open the Bible, as we're about to open your word, we recognize that in our natural selves, we cannot understand the deep things of God. So we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the only effectual teacher of truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the past couple of nights, we have been perusing through. I need the, uh, where's Ola? He left. I need this, the, the piece. Yeah, we've been cruising through our studies together. And as we've been doing that, we've seen how God has been intentional in his design of mankind. And in his design, he originally made it so that we looked like him, so that we moved like him, so that we talked like him. In fact, the idea was in God's mind, he created man in his own image. He created man in the image of love and gave him dominion. And we looked at this, and we saw because of man's walking away from God, we have what we have broken families. We have broken homes. I, I found this next clip I want to share with you, and tonight this promises to work for me. Where's my, there we go. I want to share this next clip with you, and I'm, I want you to be a thinker tonight as I share it. And let's just make sure we're all good here. It may not work since you guys are here now. Who knows? Let's see. Um, I, um, I mean, I agree. It's a no-brainer that, uh, that we should have the right to marry. But uh, I also think equally that it's a no-brainer that the institution of marriage should not exist. So, uh, but that causes my brain some trouble. Uh, and um, and part of it's why it causes me trouble is because uh, fighting for gay marriage generally involves lying about what we're going to do with marriage when we get there. You know, because we lie that the institution of marriage is not going to change. And that is a lie. The institution of marriage is going to change and it should change. Um, and again, I, I don't think it should exist. Um, and um, I don't like uh, taking part in in creating fictions about, about my life. That's what. All right, so for a moment, I just want you to hear what she said. Did you everybody hear what she said? 
Okay, essentially, if you didn't hear what she said, she said she does not believe the institution of marriage should even exist, and she's speaking directly after they passed that law in the country for gay marriage. She's saying, I, I don't mind people getting married. I, I fight for that, but at the end of the day, we don't really want gay marriage because the institution of marriage should not exist. Now, my friends, who created the institution of marriage? God did. So we have a rebellion in the mind of this lady and others. But I understand her rebellion. Let me, let me just be 100% honest with you. I understand why she would resist the institution of marriage. Have you seen marriages lately? There are so many marriages that don't work. There are people that are unhappy, especially within Christendom. People name a name, but in the home they don't pray together. They don't talk together. And the children are seeing the hypocrisy that is in the home, and they say, why would I want that? So I understand somewhat to a certain degree her, her angst against marriage. But my brothers and sisters, we cannot improve on what God has already stated and declared as right. Are you following the idea? Now, when did he, when did he create marriage? From the very what? Beginning. From the very beginning. And God instituted this. But then there's something else, and it always bothers me. If you can't read this, I'll read it to you. It says, an Alabama pastor shocked his flock by reportedly confessing from the pulpit that he has AIDS, had slept with church members, used drugs, and misused funds. Now, my friends, if I'm an atheist and I read something like this, I say, of course, I don't want to go to a church like that. I don't want to deal with hypocrites. I See, I understand the cry of humanity pushing back against religiosity because at the end of the day, there is a form of godliness, but there is a denial of power by the people who say they love God. So I understand the fight and the kickback in our secular society. This one here, see if I can play this for you. Let's see here. This one here is an interesting clip. We are tracking the concerns about another deadly list, enterovirus, which has spread from 12 to 42 states in just three weeks. Very serious respiratory disease known as enterovirus is in 68, afflicting children in 43 states right now. That virus is spreading quickly, and health officials say it could get worse. All right, so what's happening there? There's a what? There's a virus. The virus is going everywhere. Now, in my mind, I, again, I observe and I'm watching. I'm paying attention to society. I'm, I'm just trying to see what's happening. And one of, that, one of the things I noticed in New York, the, the, the great state of New York, I noticed that they passed the law that you can't have a certain amount of soft drink beyond a certain, uh, you can't get big gulps anymore. They, they are now legislating health. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? They're trying to solve a problem by outside legislation. And as I told you guys last night and the other nights, we're not going to solve any of our problems by legislation. 
It's at the point, brothers and sisters, where there has to be a revolution in the experience of, of those who say they believe in Jesus. At the end of the day, you can vote for who you want to vote for. You can do campaigns, you can organize all you want to, but this will not solve the problems in our society today. But I want to tell you something else. There is a big movement. In fact, I'm going to go to the book of Revelation. Go to Revelation for, for, for a moment. Revelation chapter 13. Watch this. And brothers and sisters, tonight is a pivotal night because this is one of the last cornerstones I'm going to lay before we go deep diving. Now, you guys think we've been studying now. We about to go snorkeling. Okay? I mean, this is the last cornerstone. And we're, this is not our last meeting. Now, the next meetings are going to start Thursday night, and I'm going to give you the address to where we're going to be, and we're going to begin snorkeling, friends. So you're going to want to make sure you got your wetsuit on, your breathing apparatus, okay? But you need to pay attention to what we're about to look at right here. Revelation 13 says these words. In verse number one, it says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his heads ten crowns, and upon his heads the name blasphemy. Watch this. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth was as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his what? Power. His power and his what? Seat and what else? Great authority. Pay attention. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and some of the world, uh, is, what's your Bible say? Uh, I want to make sure, I was just checking. And all the world wondered after the beast. How much of the world? I want you to hold your finger right there. Go to Revelation chapter 17. Watch this. In Revelation chapter 17. I want you to look at verse number three. Watch carefully what the Bible says. And I'm giving you a hint at where we're going to begin snorkeling very soon. In Revelation 17, verse three, the Bible says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon the scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And a woman was arrayed with purple and scarlet in color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. The word actually is, it shouldn't say admiration, it's wonder with great wonder. And then it says, And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman of the beast that carrieth her, which have seven heads and ten horns. Watch carefully. And the beast that thou sawest was, and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall, what's it say, my friends? Shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life, from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. What an interesting passage. But do you notice that those who wonder after these, this beast's power actually go into perdition? 
The Bible indicates that in the last days, there's going to be a movement that is going to seek to organize, to bring everyone together. And as they seek to do this, they're going to end up falling into a pit. Now, what I'm going to give you tonight is going to be one of the cornerstones that will help you be aware and protected from following after this power. Are you following the idea? And I'm going to show you from the Bible. I'm not going to make this up. I'm going to show you from the Bible. Go to Revelation chapter 14. Watch this now. In Revelation chapter 14, we're going to read now verse 6 and verse 7. Revelation 14, verse 6 and verse 7. The Bible says, and I love this, it says, And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you fly slow or do you fly fast? I mean, you guys don't fly. Do you fly <laughs> But if you were flying, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be going, that's not what you, when you get in a plane to fly, you want to get there fast. Is that right? So when you see this angel flying in the midst of heaven, that means he has an urgency to the message that he's carrying. He's moving with rapidity. Are you following the idea? So I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth to every nation and kindred and tongue and people saying with what kind of voice my friends a loud voice sometimes you might wonder that brother of the he's he's speaking very loudly well i i must do that for two reasons a you may be falling asleep amen <laughs> and b i need you to know that what i'm saying is urgent this is no ordinary message that i'm going to present to you tonight this is a message that god has in his wisdom in his wisdom has orchestrated in such a manner that if you receive it, you will be protected from the enemy of souls. So notice again what it says, and I'm going to read it from verse 6. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is, what's it say? Is come, and now watch this. It says, and worship him that did what? Made heaven and what else? Earth and what else? Sea and what else? Fountains of waters. The message is going with a clarion call. Do not worship anyone else but the creator. Listen, first and foremost, my human nature by itself, I don't want to worship anybody. Like, I don't want you to be my boss, and I don't want to worship you. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, I, I, I'd rather just function and do me. That's just, just my nature. It's just how I, I in, my, in my sphere, that's how I function. But then there comes a reality. One day, I went, and anybody ever climbed uh, Mount Monadnock before? Anybody climbed that mountain? Oh, yes. So you have a, when I was climbing that mountain, I was, I was oh, a younger man. And as I was going up the mountain, I'd never been up the mountain before. So I got to a place on the mountain, and I thought, man, this is a beautiful spot. And they were like, well, this is just, a, this is not the top, bro, Andre. This is just like the, a little resting spot. I was like, really? So mind you, as I was climbing the mountain, I had a little backpack on my back, and in the backpack, I had a, just one water bottle. When I got to the second or, or, second or, or, or first or second tier of the mountain, I was ready to put that backpack off. <laughs> it was too much for me. Then I said, you know what, I got to keep going. So I kept going up the mountain. 
I finally got to the top. Now, let me tell you, when I got to the top, all that effort, all that work, I love that talk this, this, tonight. When I got to the top and I looked out from the top, I said, man, there must be a God. I didn't get to the top and be like, I created the world. No, that wasn't that. I got to the top and I said, man, this is amazing. There must be a God. Worship him that made the heaven and the earth and the seas and the fountains of waters. But there's someone else. There is someone else who wants your worship. There's someone else who wants your praise. In fact, go back. you're still in the book of Revelation. Go to Revelation 13 again. Watch what the Bible says. Watch what the Bible says. And again, pay close attention. In verse number 2, it says, And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Watch this next verse. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And notice what it says next. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So now there's a passage of scripture where this power is actually desiring worship. And it doesn't say that some will. It says the world will follow after this power. Now, here, watch this. I have my markers here. You see, if you obey the beast, you worship the dragon. You follow? So I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to go here tonight because this is not the point. And I, and I believe that wh- whatever these powers are here, they're going to do what they do. That's how they function. But by, the Bible says, my sheep know my voice. So I'm going to be speaking to God's sheep tonight. And the reason why this is so important, because this idea of worship, at the core of it, my friends, this idea of worship is actually a position of exaltation for those of us who know who we are worshiping. I'll say it one more time. If you, if you think birds are God, then you're going to have a you know, the best you could do is have feathers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if, if God is your money and your money is your God, right now the economy is about to collapse. The Bible says, and it's interesting how the Bible describes it, in James chapter 5, it says that your gold is cankered. Now, if you know anything about gold, gold does not rust. It does not canker. There's no such thing as gold cankering. So the impossible is about to happen to the economy. That's what the Bible teaches. It's, it's teaching us that everything that we've put as God, everything that we've exalted is about to be done away. So then the Bible says, go to the creator. Who's your creator? Who's your creator, my friends? God is. And we know that in creation, we studied this clearly. We know that in creation, Jesus himself was in creation. He's the one that created all things. He was the active component of God in creating heaven and earth, the seas, and the fountains of waters. Let's go a little bit further. So we know that there are wars and rumors of wars. We know that we're on a financial precipice. We're on a cliff. Things will not continue as they have been my friends 
We, talk, we talked about this yesterday. There's going to be distress of nations in Luke 21, 25 with perplexity, meaning that they will not know how to get out of the crisis. The puzzle is too complicated. There is no way out except through Jesus, my friends. And it's interesting. The devil's going to try to impersonate them. Listen, my friends. The devil is going to try to impersonate the religious revival that is happening in our world today. He's going to do his best to get everybody on his side. But there is one way to know whether or not you're on that right side, my friends. I'm going to share with you tonight. Notice this. Let me pass that. This is from a news article. It says, Pope calls for a God-centered global economy. Why does he do that? Because the economy is corrupt. It needs a moral compass. Notice what this says. After a year after financial crisis, a new world order emerges. I thought that was interesting. First sentence. One year after the near collapse of the global financial system, this much is clear, the financial world as we knew it is over. And something new is rising from its, what's it say, my friends? Oh, you guys should be recognizing a picture I put up yesterday. Y'all saw that? There are, no, there are no accidents, my friends, that this financial crisis is not something that they're just like, oh, no, we don't. It was intentional. And the next one will be just as intentional. Notice this. Peace agreement ceremony, the highlight of World Alliance of Religions Peace Summit. You were like, oh, that sounds so wonderful. Watch this. You can't see it, but I'll just read it to you. The first measure is to sign the unity of religions agreement. And the second measure is to present the agreement to propose the enactment of an international law for the cessation of wars and encourage political and religious leaders around the world to participate. In this regard, the summit is expected to serve as a starting point for opening a new era of, what's it say? World peace. The Warp Summit was hosted by Heavenly, Heavenly Culture, World Peace, Restoration of Light, which is purely non-governmental organization, and it was attended by more than 50 former and current heads of state, including presidents, vice presidents, prime ministers from all around the world. And then it says a bunch of people's names. This occasion where the heads of state and religious leaders came together for peace is unprecedented. Mr. Man, he Lee's idea is really amazing and excellent. This wonderful event will definitely play a positive role in bringing wars to an end and achieving world peace. In fact, that over 680 religious leaders from 120 countries agreed on the idea of the World Alliance of Religions and that they came to the Republic of Korea all of the way from foreign countries has a significant meaning in the history of religion. Anybody paid attention? The Bible says when they say peace, peace, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child. Now, I'm, I'm not even giving you everything I got. Like, brothers and sisters, one time I was in upstate New York, and I have a presentation that I will do on the French Revolution. I will do it here. But that presentation normally takes two hours, okay? But... I'm not going to do it for two hours. I'll do it shorter for you guys. But I did it for two hours. When I finished and I went through and I showed all the things that were happening in our world, I clearly defined. It was clear when I was done. A lady came to me right after. True story. 
She came to me right after, and she said, I'm helping fulfill prophecy. And I'm thinking, praise the Lord. She said, no. She said, I'm doing it from the other side. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. Literally, all I did was walk through Bible prophecy, pinpointing events that are transpiring, identifying parties, and she said, I'm doing it from the wrong side. And then I said, what do you mean? And then she, when, when I start asking her questions, she, she's leaned up, start talking to me a little bit more. She says, I actually come and spy on this church. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. She literally told me that. I'm not making this up. She said, I come and I spy on this church. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and then somebody walked by and she stopped talking. Then when they were done, I kept trying to talk to her. And, but I, the whole point of the conversation, when I, when I saw her, I said, Lord, whether I saw it or not, the Bible is true. Whether, whether somebody comes to me and says, I am working for XYZ to accomplish XYZ, whether they did that or not, the Bible already said it. The Bible already says that there are going to be these groups that are coming together and they're going to try to bring peace and safety into the world. But the Bible says sudden destruction comes because they're not doing it after God's order. They're doing it after their own order. They're trying to solve their own problems. They have their own intellect and their own wisdom. Therefore, we have pictures like this. Again, I'll just show it to you every night. I just want you to see. I just can't believe it. I just, I just, it's just so obvious. A picture painted. Let me do this one. A picture painted way back in the 1600s, and then you have this one done by the European Union, exactly like the Tower of Babel, and they exactly, in their own words of rebellion, Europe, many tongues, one voice. The rebellion is clear. They even built the literal building like the Tower of Babel. Why would they do that? But this quote, I'm going to put it up here. I think we should just remember this. And I, I put it at the beginning of the meetings. I just want to make sure you keep it in your mind. In the annals of human history, the growth of nations, the rise and fall of empires, appear as if dependent on the will and prowess of men. The shaping of events seems to a great degree to be determined by his power, ambition, or caprice. But in the word of God, that's what we're studying right here. But in the word of God, a curtain is drawn aside, and we behold above, behind, and through all the play and counterplay of human interests and power and passions, the agencies of the all-merciful one, silently, patiently, working out the counsels of his own, what's it say, my friends? What is God's will? Go with me to the book of, let me get there first, and I'll tell you, book of Ephesians. Watch this, my friends. What is God's will? What is his desire? Watch this. Oh, I love this. What is God's will? Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading at verse number 9. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 9. Watch what the Bible says. Ephesians 1 verse 9, the Bible says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, this is God purposing in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in who, my friends? In Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. 
in whom also we have obtained inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own, what's it say? Okay, so let's think about this for a moment. So here's, here's some guy in, in a political position. Here's a religious leader. Here's a religious teacher. Here's a mom. Here's a dad. And they're organizing their life the way they think they should do it. But everything they're doing, the most high sees. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. Everything they're doing, the most high sees. And the most high says, let them do that. That actually works out to help fulfill my plan. Let them do that. That actually works out to fulfill my plan. God is in control. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is in control. Man is not in control. In fact, I'm going to share something else with you. We went through this already. The head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of brass, legs of iron, feet of iron, and, and, and clay. And then there's a rock cut out without hands that strikes the image at the feet. These kingdoms all eventually at some point, bow down to the kingdom of the Most High. Now, let me tell you a secret. And I think I might be getting ahead of myself, but don't worry. I'm going to get to the main point tonight. The Most High cannot set up a kingdom until he has subjects. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Most High, he has rules. He has, he has laws. He has instruction. But if he comes back to earth to get people... The people that he's coming back for must at least agree with his instruction. Are you following what I'm saying? Because if he doesn't have a people that agree, he can't come back. So here's my new campaign. I'm not campaigning for Trump. I'm not campaigning for uh, Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or any. The new campaign, let me, hashtag, Jesus, most high, king of universe. Hashtag, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever you got to do. At this point, it's time to vote for Jesus, and not by lips. Jesus said, if you love me, he said, what you're going to do? You're going to keep my commandments. That's, that's how we vote for him. We vote for him by being obedient to his instruction. Remember, I gave you a text, Romans 6, verse 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. And I shared with you last night that that law that God has, has not been done away. What does he want to do with it, my friends? He wants to write it in our hearts. It hasn't been done away. No, no, no. That would make no sense, though. The very foundation of God's throne is his law. The very foundation of his covenant relationship is his law. So, no, he hasn't done away with it. He's put it, and he says, I'm going to write it in your heart. I want you to be more kind. I want you to be more loving. I want you to be more respectful. I want you to be more helpful. I want you to protect the environment. I want your families to come together. I don't want you to be apart. No, he didn't do away with that type of law, the law of liberty. So let's go back to creation for a moment. I want you to think. In Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be, what's the first day? Light. Light. Very good. This is your quiz for tonight. Day number two, God said, let there be a firmament. And day number three, God said what? Let there be Earth and sea. He, so he created dry land, and he had the waters separate from the other. And day number four, what did he do? He said, I'm going to make sun, moon, and stars. That's very interesting. Pay attention to this. Light created before the sun. I, I, I dare anybody to do some science and go in deep. How did that happen? 
Fifth day, he made the birds and the fish. The sixth day, he creates the animals. And then on that, the last part of that day, he gets down and he doesn't just speak this into existence. He actually intimately touches and forms and breathes his very life into our life. And I told you the same breath that was breathed into Adam's nostrils is the same breath we live on right now. It's not a new breath. It's the same breath of life. It's eternal in nature. And on the sixth, seventh day, the Bible says that he rested. Now, tonight I have, there are going to be a couple of magazines. When you walk out, if you, if you don't have these already, if you have this already, don't get one. This one is a very nice magazine. The rest of your life. I like how they do a play on words on that. The rest of your life. This one's actually a very, very good one. It's called The Lord's Day. Very, very nice powerful magazine make sure you get one if you don't get one come talk to me and we'll make sure you'll get one when you come to the next meeting but the reason why I'm putting that up there is because the next things I want to talk to you about I want to go from the Bible and I'm going to go from my memory and we're going to do a Bible study are you ready Genesis chapter 2 Genesis chapter 2 we're going to read verses 1 2 and 3 Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 2 and 3 The Bible says in Genesis 2, verses 1, 2, and 3, the Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work. He ended his what, my friends? He ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. So I want you to just have a mental note in your mind because we're just going to build. What I, what I do when I do my personal Bible study when I'm at home, I literally take a text on a subject and I have these big whiteboards in my office. I actually have like one, two, three. Oh, you're, you're, Daniel's like three. You counted in my office, huh? <laughs> So I have, th- I have two large whiteboards and a small whiteboard. What I do is I take every text on the subject and I write it out. I just list it. And then I study each one. I open it and I just read it. And then I wait. I don't go too fast. You know, when you chew your food, you're supposed to chew slow. That helps with the enzymes in your mouth because digestion begins in the mouth. Nobody got to that health talk yet. But digestion begins in the mouth. So when you chew... You chew slowly, so the enzymes begin to digest the food. So when you read your Bible, you read it slowly. And you prayerfully read it and ask God to give you understanding. And it's a true story. Heaven is interested in teaching you personally. You don't have to have a preacher preaching to you. In fact, that's, that's how you get, you know, interested. But that personal insight, that's private. That's you and God. So you open the Bible. You take your time, you chew the text, you masticate your food. So let's masticate this verse. Watch what it says again, Genesis 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it 
because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Now, I have read this so many times. For the first time just now, something new came to my mind. God himself rested. Now, I've heard it before. I've read it before. But do you understand what just happened? As an example in all things, he himself, now does God get need, does he need rest? I mean, he's God, right? He's omnipotent. That means all-powerful. So he doesn't need rest. So the Most High rests as an example to his creation so that they would rest. Now, if there was any other day to rest on, then he would have been the example for that day. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? So God rested, number one. Then it says that he blessed it, number two. Then it says that he sanctified it, number three. And that word sanctified, if you look at it in the original language, is as if he put himself into the day. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? He put himself into it. That's why it's holy. Remember Moses is on the mountain with God, and the the burning bush is there. Remember the burning bush? And the voice speaks, God speaks from the bush and tells Moses, take your what? Take your shoes off. Why? The ground is, well, how did the ground get holy? Because God is there. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. So God is there. That's why the day is holy, because he put himself into the day. It's sacred time. That's why that song was amazing. That song was amazing. But let's go a little bit further. Go with me to the book of Exodus. Chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to begin reading at verses 8, verses 8 through 11. Now, we went through this the other night. We read through these verses. Everybody agreed that God's law is perfect. But there are some times when we don't fully understand what the text teaches. So watch what the text says in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. The Bible says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, again, when you masticate the verse, why would the verse begin with remember unless people would? So God is actually giving an instruction. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Didn't we just read something like that? God did work for six days, and then he himself rested on the seventh day. But, on the, sev- but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. Pause for a moment. I want you to note in creation... In Genesis chapter 1, it said the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. Then it says the seventh day, but then it names the seventh day. It names it the Sabbath. No other day in the Bible is named like that. They're just called one, two, three, four, five, six. And then it gets to seven, and then it says seven, name it, Sabbath. What does the word Sabbath mean? 
rest. That's what it means. It means rest. Now, I found an interesting fact as I was going through here. I was going through this little book, and there's a little fact in here that I want to read to you, if I can find it. I should have, you know, dog-eared the page. Aha! Here it is. It's on page nine if you get this book. Watch this. Uh, This is an amazing fact. It says, the year is measured by the sun. Right? So... The year is measured by the sun. The moon is measured, I mean, the month is measured by the moon. The day is measured by Earth's rotation. But there is little, if any, scientific or astronomical reason for measuring time in cycles of seven days. Why is there a seven-day cycle? Where did it come from? It came from. came from the Bible, brothers and sisters. Man didn't make it up. God created it. Are you following what I'm saying? And it's interesting that as man wants to destroy the family, man also disregards God's day. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, I didn't make myself. I am, I am, uh, Hold into the maker. I didn't make myself. So the maker says, this is what I've designed it for. It's like if you get a Mercedes Benz. So I, got a, I have an old Audi. It's an old Audi. Or I had an old Audi. That Audi is a unique car. It's very different from my Dodge Intrepid. <laughs> the oil is different. The when you put the oil in is different. The gasoline is actually way different than what I put in the Dodge. The creator of the vehicle designed and tells you what is best for the vehicle. Does that make sense? So if I decided at one time I did put the wrong oil in the Audi. And I, do you remember that one time I was cutting the grass and I put the wrong oil in the in the ga- in the in the in the lawnmower? And the wrong oil in the lawnmower, there was this white smoke that went everywhere I was going. <laughs> I was just cutting the grass and it's like billows of smoke going everywhere. The designer of that uh, lawnmower did not require that oil in that container. You, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So the creator, he's the one that designs what day to worship. Why? Because he's smarter than me. Come on now, y'all not hear what I'm saying. Man cannot outsmart God. He cannot improve upon God's instruction. But wait, there's more. I want you to go with me. You're still here. Uh, uh, Verse number 11. It says, for in six days, I'm going to move a little faster. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. And then it says, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. And what does it say? So in this passage... Sabbath and creation are together. Are you following the idea? Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. And right now I'm being intentional in our study tonight. I want you to think with me. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning at verse number 12. 
Deuteronomy 5, beginning at verse 12. The Bible says, Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But on the seventh, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is in thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember, what am I supposed to remember? That thou was a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence, through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm, therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the, what's it say, my friends? So in this passage, the Sabbath is connected with redemption. You were in Egypt. You were a slave. Remember to keep the Sabbath because I want you to remember that I delivered you. So on the Sabbath day, there's two things that you should be thinking about on the Sabbath. God's creation and God's redemptive work. We call it a new creation. That new work that God does inside of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I I hope you're following. I hope it's making sense. So the Sabbath, God rested. He rested not because he needed to rest. He rested as an example. The Sabbath is connected with creation. The Sabbath is, re- is connected with redemption. Now, let's go a little bit further. I want you to go to Exodus chapter 31. Exodus 31. Now watch this. Exodus 31. Look at verse number 17. The Bible says in Exodus 31 verse 17. Uh, let's start at verse 16. Uh, let's, start at verse, uh, let's start at verse 15. I mean, I can go all the way back to verse 1, but let's start at verse 16. It says, Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a, what's it say? It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was, what's it say? Refreshed. So the Sabbath now is a sign. Let's go a little bit further. I want you to go to Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel chapter 20. It's okay that we're studying our Bibles. Is that okay? Because at the end of the day, my friends, you don't want to trust preachers. Exodus 20. And look what the Bible says in verse number Ezekiel. I'm sorry, Ezekiel 20. Sorry, Ezekiel 20 and verse 12. Ezekiel 20 and verse 12. When you have it, just say amen. All right, watch this. Moreover, also, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a, what's it say? A sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that, what's it say? So Sabbath 
and sanctification. Sanctification. Now, what is sanctification? That means that you're made clean, you're made pure. So Sabbath is now connected to this idea of salvation. Look at verse 20, same chapter. Ezekiel 20 and verse 20. Notice what the Bible says. And hollow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that ye may know that I am the Lord your God. Uh, do you see that there? So the Sabbath now becomes an identifying relational meeting between you and God. And he says, you're mine and I'm yours. You know, there's a, I had, when I proposed to my wife, well, you'll see her come in the coming weeks here. When I proposed to my wife, I, uh, I went to Build-A-Bear. Anybody know about Build-A-Bear? I went to Build-A-Bear, and I uh, walked in there, picked the most select bear I could find, and uh, it was her birthday, so I cloaked it as if it was a birthday gift, but it was actually a proposal bear. <laughs> now, let me back up before I tell you that part. So this is a true story. I'm so nervous when I was trying to propose to my wife for the first time, because when, when I met her, I met her through my dad. You can find the story on YouTube. But I met her through my dad, and three months in, I was like, this is the woman. I'm going in. We're going to lock this down. We're going to lock this down. So I go, three months in now, three months in. I go into her. This is before the bear. I go into her, and I'm, I go in, and I, I see her, and I'm like, I got something. Can you sit down? I got something to tell you. And she's like, sure. So she sits down, and then all of a sudden, every uh, sweat gland in my body began to begin to work overtime, <laughs> and I began to sweat out of or, or, you know, all sorts of places. And I couldn't speak anymore. So I'm there on my knees, and I'm trying to propose <laughs> to my girlfriend at the time, and I can't say anything. And I'm just sweating and sweating and sweating and sweating and sweating. And finally, she's like, you don't have to do this right now. She's like telling me, you don't have to do this. And I'm like, no, I have to, I have to do this. So I'm on my knees, and I say, Alpha, will you be my friend? I don't know. If cool points, I lost all cool points. Everything lost. So now you understand why I went to get the bear. Now watch. So I go to the bear because I said, let me figure, let me do a little, little, little strategy. Because in my mind, I'm thinking she could tell me no, like I don't want to marry you, like that type of thing. So I go in to get the bear, and, and the bear said, "Happy birthday, Alpha." That thing. And on the other one. I said, Happy I said uh, Alpha, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. You know, I love you, da-da-da, will you marry me? So that's what I said with the bear. So this time, I put the bear first. So the bear proposed. <laughs> I saw that it was safe. And then I went in for the kill. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but she accepted the bear as a sign of our relationship. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. That, that's what that Sabbath is right there. That I'm hers and she is mine. Are you feeling what I'm saying? 
This is the intent of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is designed in this regard so that you and God, you are special. You have fallen into this covenant relationship with him. You've accepted that he's the creator. You've accepted that he's the redeemer. You've accepted that he's the one that sanctifies you and cleanses you and purifies you. That's what the Sabbath becomes a sign of. Are you following the idea? Let's go a little bit further. Somebody says, well, Brother Andre, the Sabbath was made for the Jews. Go with me to Mark chapter 2 for a moment. Mark chapter 2. We're looking at verse 27 and 28. Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28. The Bible says, and he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for the Jews and not Jews for the Sabbath. What does your Bible say? I must have miswritten right. It says for man and yours? Yep. What about yours? It says man and yours? Anybody have, anybody have in there the disciples was made for the Jews? No one has that? Even in the NIV, it doesn't say that? Okay. I'm just asking. So it says the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the? So the Sabbath was created before there was a Jew. So it was made for the Jews and for the Greeks and for the Gentiles. And for whatever nation you may be from. Amen. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Look at verse number 16. Luke chapter 4 in verse number 16. Did Jesus himself keep the Sabbath? Of course he did. Luke chapter 4 verse 16. It says, and he, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So Jesus himself, as his custom was, as he lived, kept the Sabbath. Now, first of all, we got God, the, God himself keeping the Sabbath in creation. Then we have Jesus, the image of God, keeping the Sabbath while he's walking on earth. I don't know. There's two witnesses right there. I don't know how I, I, I'm at. I'm almost at. I'm at a loss for words. How is it possible that God's people have forgotten this blessing? Now, mind you, even people that go to church on the seventh day don't mean they actually have the blessing. I said it with a smile. I'm just saying. You'll see in a moment why I'm saying that. Did the apostles keep the Sabbath? Go with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. And we're looking at verse number 2. Acts chapter 17 and verse number 2. Notice what the Bible says. It says, and Paul as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. You guys see that? So Paul had a custom. Jesus had a custom. They taught on the Sabbath in the synagogue. Acts chapter 18, verse 4. Watch this. Acts chapter 18 and verse number 4. The Bible says, 
and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Do you guys see that? So it wasn't just the Jews, it was the Greeks. And these are the apostles after the death of Jesus. Now, did Jesus expect anyone to be keeping the Sabbath after he passed away? Go to Matthew chapter 24, look at verse 20. Matthew 24, and look at verse 20. And Jesus is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, and he actually gives an instruction. Now, mind you, the destruction of Jerusalem did not take place until A.D. 70. Jesus died in A.D. 31. So watch what the Bible says, Matthew 24 and verse 20. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the, what's it say? On the Sabbath day. So in Jesus' mind, he's seeing into the future, saw that God's people would still be keeping the Sabbath in the future. That's how he saw it. Jesus is amazing. Now, the question might be, well, how do we know what day is the Sabbath? Go with me to Luke chapter 24 or chapter 23, and then we're going to read into chapter 24. Watch carefully. Now, we're taking our time tonight because it's so important, and I want you to be able to go home, pray about it, read it, ask God, Lord, how do I apply what I've learned? In Matthew chapter 23, verse 54, notice what the Bible says. I'm sorry, Luke. Luke chapter 23, we're going to read verse 54. Luke 23, verse 54. The Bible says, And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. When it says, and that day, that day is the day that Jesus died. That was the preparation, and then it says, and the Sabbath drew on. So the Sabbath came after the day Jesus died. Jesus died on, what do you call it? We, in, in our day, we call it Good Friday. Don't we call it Good Friday? That's the day Jesus died. That's the preparation day. Then it says, and the Sabbath drew on. So there's Friday, and then there's the Sabbath, and then notice what else it says. Verse 55, and the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to, what's it say? The commandment. Now, watch the next verse. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher bringing spices which they had prepared and certain others with them okay so we have preparation day we have the sabbath day and then we have the first day we call it resurrection sunday are you following the idea so clearly the bible is showing us friday is preparation day sabbath is the seventh day and then the first day of the week when jesus rose from the dead that's when he got up but i thought it was interesting that even in death Jesus kept the Sabbath. He did, a, he did a work. He said, you know, on Friday he said, it is just like a creation. And then he rested. He could have got up on Sabbath if he wanted to, but he said, no, I'm going to rest. Done a lot of hard work. 
He rested on that day. Now, there's another passage of scripture I want to share with you. Go with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, the 66th chapter. Isaiah, the 66th chapter. Now, there's a couple of things that I'm demonstrating now. Number one, there are absolutely no notes up here. I, I want you to, there are no notes with my verses that I'm giving you. I'm sharing that with you because each one of you are now required to begin to hide the word of God in your heart. You, you must begin to do this. Do you, can you imagine? Now, how many of you have, I'm going to say this, how many of you have enjoyed the nightly presentations? Can I just see your hand if you enjoyed it? All right. Can, how many of you would want more people to have heard these messages? Can I see your hand? All right. Guess what? They can't hear it from me. I mean, others will hear it. You got to start telling it. You got to start sharing. These truths, I didn't make this up. Like, this stuff I'm not making up. You, rod, you see it right here in your own Bible. So now you have to say, Father, please help me hide these truths in my heart. Help me to be able to share with others. Now, when you first start sharing, it, it's not, it doesn't come out so easy. But the more you do it, the more the Holy Spirit just starts bringing it back to you and bringing it back to you and bringing it back to you. My job, listen to me, my job for the Most High is to recruit other voices for him. Listen, my job is not to make you part of my church. That's not my job. My job is to recruit you into the kingdom, and he needs other voices. The Bible says that the message that I'm teaching you right now and the message that you will keep learning the Bible says that these messages will swell into a loud cry. The reason why they swell into a loud cry is because others start saying the same thing. They start going and teaching the same message. They start being as faithful to God as they perceive that I am. You guys keep coming. You know, subconsciously you think, oh, he's, he might be a holy man. He has special communion with, with God. That's why he's able to speak the way he speaks, yada, yada. No. God is no respecter of persons. No respecter of persons. He wants to use as many. Listen, man, there are so many people out here dying. No hope in the world. And we can't wait for them to come to buildings like this. You've heard this message tonight, the truth in regards to God's Sabbath, how he wants to fellowship with you, how he wants to bring you near to him. Others need to hear this. We can do our part. That was a commercial. Let's begin to wrap this up. I want you to go to the book of Hebrews. Oh, I like you guys. That is very good. You are the first group to ever do that in such mass. That's very, very good. I like that. Ola, you heard that, man? That was amazing. Isaiah 66, verse 22 and 23. Watch this. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass, verse 23, that from one new moon to another, 
and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. You guys see that? So in heaven, it says that we're going to be keeping the Sabbath. We're going to be coming to fellowship and to be with the Most High from one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another. Now, I want to make sure, let's go to the book of Hebrews as we close. I want to make sure that you get the main point, the main idea. Hebrews chapter 4. In another time, we could go from Hebrews 3 into Hebrews 4, but we're just going to go from Hebrews 4. And watch carefully what the Bible teaches. Hebrews 4 verse 1 says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. In other words, you remember the children of Israel as they're going to the Canaan land, and he's promising the land of milk and honey, and as these people are going through, they're complaining and never really, really entering into what God has promised them. So it says that they fell short of entering into this promise because of unbelief. Okay, watch verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, speaking of the children of Israel in the past. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So here the message is coming to you, the truth in regards to the Sabbath, the truth in regards to salvation, the truth in regards to that you of your natural self are not good, but only he is good and he puts good inside of you. That truth is presented. It only benefits you when you grab hold of it by faith. That's the only way it benefits you. It says, verse 3, For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished, the works were finished from when, my friends? Stay with me. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they too whom it was first preached entered not in because of, what's it say? Unbelief. Verse 7. Again he limiteth a certain day, saying in David today, after so long a time as it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own, what's it say? As did God from his. Now, there's, there's a lot there to unpack, but I just want to get the, the, the underlining principle. You and I cannot work our way into the kingdom. At the end of the day, there's nothing you can eat to get you in. 
There's no amount of money that you can pay to earn your way in there. In fact, the only way that you can earn anything is the wages of sin. Y'all didn't hear me. However, Ephesians chapter 2 says something very, very special. Galatians, Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. And watch what the Bible says in verse number 8, 9, and 10. Watch this. Watch, watch carefully. Ephesians 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. It says, for by grace are ye saved through, what's it say? Faith, and, not, and that not of yourselves, it is a, what's it say? Gift of God, not of works, lest any man should, what? For we are his workmanship. Watch the next words. Created in Christ Jesus unto what? Watch, watch what I'm going to tell you. You see, the power in creation is that God himself did the work. The power in recreation is that Jesus himself did the work. And what I have to do, let me see, come on, my brother, come on. See, he, he looks strong enough. I weigh almost 180 pounds. I want to lean back. You just got to hold me up. Just hold me up, all right? So I'm going to rest. I'm resting. You guys see I'm resting? The Sabbath is a symbol of my resting in Christ. I'm not efforting, I'm resting. And then as he moves, go ahead and move. Now I move. Because I'm resting and I'm trusting. And as he moves, I move. I'm not moving without him. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? I'm not moving without him. You see, if I move, you can stop now. Thank you. (laughs) You see, in the Christian walk, what God is asking us to do is beyond our power. You can't keep something holy if you're not holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it. You can't keep something holy if you're not holy. You can go to church on a day and you're messed up. You're polluted. Holiness comes from him and just as God put himself in the day God must put himself in you I hope you're hearing me brothers and sisters just as he created just as he had power in his word to create he has that power in his word to create in us that clean heart And then that symbol, so don't worship the symbol. The symbol is the Sabbath, it's a sign. But the one you're worshiping is Jesus. And every time I enter into that Holy Sabbath, which begins at sunset Friday and ends at sunset uh, Sabbath uh, Saturday night, sunset to sunset, every time I enter into that holy time, just use your imagination, man. You're, You're entering into his presence by faith fellowship the family enters into that fellowship with you holy time 
So every time I, every time, everything I talk about, everything I sing about, everything I read about should be about him. It should be enjoying fellowship. It, it should be out in creation. It should be opening his word. It should be in prayer. Holiness to God. And talking to him. You know, on that day, there's a special blessing that is not on any other day. Remember now, he put himself in the day. So you, somebody says, well, can't we go to church any day we want? Yes, we're at church right now. There's nothing wrong with going to church. You can go to church every day. It don't make the day holy. It doesn't make God, God didn't move the holiness. The holiness is still in that sacred time because this is the covenant relationship, he says, I have with my people. Now, the reason I'm telling you this, because that beast power, he's not playing. I'm going to show you uh, just, let me see, how many will I show you? I'll show you a minimum of 40 places where the power himself presently, I'm not talking about in the future, ha- is calling for something different than what Jesus called for. And I'm going to show you presently how that power is trying to line up everybody on that side. And it's not a game. It's, like if, it's almost like back in the day, they were, you have what they call UFOs. You know what UFOs are? What is a, what is a UFO? Unidentified flying object. What's an IFO? Identified flying object. So back in the day, there were UFOs. You saw them, you didn't know what they were. They're flying. There are IFOs right now. IFOs of Bible prophecy all around. And you can see it. It is clear. It's like, and when I show it to you, you're going to be amazed, brothers and sisters. Absolutely floored that what I'm telling you is actually true. And in my mind, I say, when I, when I read it, because sometimes, I tell you the truth, the world tries to creep into my thoughts and feelings. I know it happens to you too. And then you start doubting sometimes, and your mind's like, well, really, man, do I have to be this serious? Do I have, I mean, does, uh, do I have to? Then it's like, well, Andre, did you see that? I say, yeah. Did you see that? I, yeah, I saw that too. Did you see? Yeah, I can't, I, can't, <laughs> I can't put my head in the sand on this one. It is real, as real as it can be. Brothers and sisters, it's time for God's people to rally around his sign and to rally around his son and enter into fellowship with him. How many are willing to do that tonight? Can I see your hand? You're willing to do that? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Every hand went up tonight. Every hand went up. As my sister comes to sing, where is she? As she comes to sing, I want you to be prayerful. This night, I don't want you to fill out any cards. I just want her to come sing. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to pray. I want you to ask God to give you the strength to enter into fellowship with him. To honor him by being willing to let him write in your heart this covenant relationship. Thou goest, I will follow.
follow yes my lord i'll follow thee i will follow thee my savior thou didst shed thy blood for me and though all men should forsake thee by thy grace I'll follow thee Though the road be rough and stormy Trackless as the foaming sea Thou hast trod this way before me And I gladly follow thee I will follow thee, my Savior. Thou didst shed thy blood for me. And though all men should forsake thee, by thy grace I'll follow thee. As I was praying, this is one last passage that I'm going to read to you. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 58 and starts in verse 13. Isaiah 58, beginning at verse 13. Watch, watch what the Bible says. It says, if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath. From doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, or finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. What a promise. If you take your foot off the Sabbath, he will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. I just keep thinking about Mount Monadnox, the highest place I've been in as far as foot-wise. Or when you're in a plane and you're flying over, you see how small everything is. I wonder what it would be like if we honored the Sabbath the way God wanted us to and what that fellowship with him would be like. High places of the earth. Bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, every hand went up this evening. Every heart has been moved by the reality that you desire for us to enter into fellowship with you. Lord, help us. Help us to have that sacred space and time with you. The things of life, our jobs, our struggles, our 
even just the monotony of going to church every week. Lord, help us to break from that tradition and help us to really, truly walk in communion like Enoch walked, Lord, please. Lord, thank you for being so merciful and so kind. Thank you for those who have come out these nights and heard these truths. I pray that you send angels that excel in strength and the decisions that have been made, Father, seal our decisions, Lord. We don't want to go backwards, Father. Please. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and claim the merits of his blood. Amen. Amen.